your stereo Don't compare us to anything, this is a different scenario We break records while we pushing the culture forward Great music and big vibes right in that order Intellectually petty radio on the stereo Don't compare us to anything, this is a different scenario We break records while we pushing the culture forward Great music and big vibes right in that order And you are now tuned into another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio. This is Jobs. Uh, I'm sorry, I got uh, uh, somebody emailed me. <laughs> I mean, sorry, not email me, but uh, inbox me. Uh, yeah, I could do that, bro. Um, I'm sorry, but this is Jobs, and you've been tuned into another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio, brought to you by M3S3 Clothing. Men make moves and suckers stand still. And as always on the mighty, mighty, mighty nerve DJ's radio network. Y'all already know, man. Shout out to DJ Johnny O. Shout out to Hef. Shout out to uh, DJ Squirt. Shout out to T-Rex. The whole family over there, man. And if you have not heard of Eric Willis, also known as Chill, check out 16 to Life on YouTube. And right on cue... You know, I want to say, man, that, like he's got one of the best prison story channels. I don't even know how to describe it, man. The brother just has story after story. He spent 24 years in the California prison system um, and he is back like it's a parole violation, man. <laughs> Yard down. You feel me? Yo. And, and by the way, man, his intro is killing the game if you have not listened to his shit man please do yo let me get uh eric willis better known as chill into the conversation how you doing bro oh man i'm doing pretty good you know i'm I'm still trying and thank you for uh reaching out to me having me on your program man i deeply appreciate it i'm still trying to figure out this technology man i, w- I was hoping to come on here with on my computer but i couldn't figure out how to i thought i because i use i use um i use Streamyard myself so i thought i was mm-hmm. gonna be all set up, but it was telling me to drag and drop and all that. So anyway, I just ended up coming up, coming through on my phone, man. You know what? Sometimes, like when you using somebody else's stream yard, you got to put it in your search engine, the link. Oh, okay. And see, like right now, all that is above my my uh, my technology <laughs> understanding. So, Look, you know. hey, bro, I'm older than you, probably. So, yeah. as you can see, um, do me one favor. Can you turn your phone um from from here to there? Okay. Yeah, what that does, it, it usually okay, got me right. upside down. Yeah, turn it back. Sometimes it usually will give you a landscape view, and I'm not sure. Yeah, just turn it back to to the other way you had it. My bad. Um, but usually, what it does is it widens your view on the screen, and you'll still be faced up. So say it again. What it use? Yeah, no, 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 just 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 turn it back to the way like that. Um, usually what it does is it'll have this view of you only instead of this little box, it'll be a wider box. So when you do like uh replays and stuff like that, it just looks better on it. It gives you a fuller screen. Right. So how do you, how do you want me to have it? You good right now. Cause it ain't going to some, some people's phone, it just don't work on. Okay. But you know what? I don't, I don't think I got that. Uh, 
you know how you can have your phone rotate or whatever. Mm -hmm. I got I got that turned off. Maybe if I put that on, you think that might help or that's that's probably what it is. Yeah. Okay, let me see. Let me find that. Yo, but why you looking, man? How you doing, man? How's your family? Oh man, everybody's doing good. You know, no complaints, man. Um, okay, there I got there. Let's, let's see if it works now. Nope, still tripping. No, oh, yeah, no, there, no, no, there, there you is. go. There you go. Yes. Yeah, that's perfect. I didn't I didn't know that was an option that you right. can turn that on and off. <laughs> yeah. So now you're teaching me something. Yeah, I, I have it <laughs> turned off because when I turn it, you know, when I twist my phone, it'd it be flipping and all that. So yeah, I, I like to keep it off. But uh thank you for asking, man. My family's doing good, everybody's well, you know, no complaints, man. Yo, man, um, your shit is dope, man. You got a really dope channel and you are a phenomenal storyteller, bro. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. I really do. Um, let me ask you this. Uh what gang are are you are you in it or I don't know, in or were in a gang? How did you start out? Well, you know, um, actually me and some of my homeboys, we are the um the founders of of uh the gang that I was once in, Eastside Player Gangsters, and then the younger generation came and they changed it to Eastside Park Gangsters, but it's it's still the same. And um, so you know, yeah, I'm from a small, small city by the from uh named Bannon, California in Bannon, California, and and it's in the county of Riverside. And so mm -hmm. uh yeah, you know. What what how did you end up in prison? What did you do? Well, um, so I ended up I I was at a house party, um I got involved in a shooting. Uh, three people were shot in the head. I mean, excuse me, three people were shot. One person got shot in the head. Two other people were shot in the leg. Um, me and a homie of mine were charged with that were charged with that shooting. Uh, I, I ended up going on the run. And I was on the run for about a year. By that, by the time I was uh, finally captured, then I got charged with another murder. And so... Um, that's how I ended up going to prison. I ended up going to trial on the attempted on the attempted murders at the um, at the house party. Uh, I was found guilty of that. I was given nine years for great bodily injury for the guy who was shot in the head. And I was given a life sentence for the guy they said that I was attempting to shoot at who wasn't even hit. And then so, like I said earlier, I still had a previous murder case trailing that. And so uh, they ended up giving me a voluntary manslaughter. They ran the 16 and the 9 together, but they ran mm -hmm. it consecutive until the light. Concurrently. So, so yes. And so and so instead of just having nine plus life, I ended up with 16 years plus life. So when you go to the joint, you're thinking you're never coming out. I'm thinking I'm never getting out. That's the mentality. Is, did that mentality help you survive or did it hurt you? Uh you know what? That's a good question. And now that now that you mention it, I think honestly, I think it did a little bit of both. You know, because and the reason why I say that, right? Mm -hmm. Because and okay, and so even even though I was sentenced to the to the sixteen years plus life with the possibility of parole at the time, the way the parole board in California was structured, if you had life for attempted murder or murder, they wasn't given anybody any date so essentially they had turned your life with parole into a life without parole and so of course when i get to prison that's one of the first things a dude a dude told me and so i think how it helped because if if you worried about going home and you got all that time to do you may not make it home because now you're worried about getting in trouble and because in california um 
The only people who have to go see the board are lifers. I know in other states, everybody has to go to the board. Mm-hmm. And back then, they held every little thing against you. And so if, if, if you was worried about getting getting in trouble and not doing this, not doing that, not fighting, uh, you know, you definitely probably would have going to be taken advantage of. People was going to see that, you know, that hesitance in, in, in your program. And, and, you know, so by by having that not giving a fuck attitude it, to, for for I would say for some people and, and for myself, it was, you know, to me, it, it it had me feeling like, you know, whatever, you know, I was by means I've never been a, a tough guy or a guy that considered I'm tough. But as, at the same time, I'm gonna always do what I have to do, you know, and so I think it definitely it definitely helped that because later on. After the parole board was revamped, the system was revamped and they did start to let uh, lifers go. It definitely played a part into my thinking, you know, and by that time, um, maybe 15, 16 years had passed. So I I had seen a whole lot. I had become more mature. And so it did make me, you know, when and, uh, yeah. when you first get to prison, a lot of people have a I don't give a fuck attitude, you know. But so when you don't give a fuck, it's easy to do certain things but when you do give a fuck that's when it becomes harder because now you are you know you've matured you're realizing okay man if i if i do this because if i get into a fist fight in prison with a person who doesn't have life at the most that that might cost him 90 days he can stay out of trouble for 30 days and get that time back and still Mm -hmm. go home when he was going to go home as a lifer if you get into a physical uh uh episode when you go to the board they're going to deny you at least five years. That's a five-year denial right there. So it does play a part into really? how you proceed, you know. Yo, and, and you know what? That, like, I think that it's probably it, – it benefited you finding out so far into your term because you had already earned your stripes. Right. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like – like if I go into, into prison, I'm 25 years old. I got a five-year bid. If I'm thinking I got a five-year bid, you're right. Niggas, this is going to be – fucking with me for five whole years right you know but if i'm thinking like nigga i'll turn this five into 30 quickly and i don't care niggas smell that because you in there with predators right mike right most definitely if you could just give me one quick second i i, I just gotta uh, uh let me see if i don't know if even i can do this i gotta i don't even think i could do it i gotta oh yeah quick text i just have to answer real fast oh uh, knock yourself out bro and why you do that, man? I need to let people know that we are sponsored by M3S3 Clothing. Men make moves and suckers stand still, man. And shout out to the Nerve DJs, y'all. We know, man, is the family. I'm gonna pay some bills since we gonna do that and shit. <laughs> Yo, man, and I'm and, and and again, if you have not, man, make sure you go to 16 DA Life on YouTube. Yo, yo, yeah, like your, your boys got like just the decades worth of stories and the nigga memory is like i can barely remember what i wore yesterday and dude's memory is just like unparalleled to be to, to okay be sorry about honest. that yeah you all right bro sorry about that that was a just an important uh okay how, how do, do i uh make it bigger or whatever you just turn your phone back over okay yeah, sorry about that. Like I said, when I when I do my interviews, I do it, I record it. I see, so I notice now you're going live, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so most definitely. My apologies. Sorry about that. Oh man, I don't give a shit, bro. We'll be all right. 
Right. <laughs> you know, I don't want to piss you off, nigga. I don't want no problems. Oh, hey, look, look. <laughs> only time you, hey, only time you gonna see me talking violent is in my raps, man. Hey, that shit is over. You know, <laughs> look. I see, I see. We can kick it and have fun on your pod, man. Look, look. Uh, uh, the women. I, I'll, I'll do it like this. The women and the food is too good out here to be going back dealing with a bunch of funky, mad ass niggas, man. Yo, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna keep it real, man. Um, I don't know. Some, some years ago, I was getting off the Greyhound bus, um, in Detroit, Michigan. Uh huh. And you know that's how a lot of uh prisoners go home on the Greyhound. Right. So it was this one cat, man, and um, we just got to chopping it up. He had just done two decades. Mm. And I remember. I, to this day, and this had to be 15, 20 years ago, I still remember the look on this nigga face when he stepped out the bus station and looked downtown. Right. It, you would think aliens landed on his forehead. The fear right. you could see on him. Did you have that fear when you got out after 24 years? Not at all, man. And you know what? And I asked a lot of my friends this, right? I think due to a, due to a couple of things, like I was saying, for one, I'm I'm a good natured dude, man. And um, just by, you know, just by, I guess, the blessings of God. And for the most part, when I got out, it didn't feel it didn't even feel like I had been to jail. You know, that shit seemed like just a bad dream. And I asked some of my homies, did it, you know, who who done life, too, and got out. And some of them say, yeah, man, you know, hell yeah, I felt all that. But for me, it didn't. And also, I had a good I had a good support system. You know, I came home man, to a good family, you know, a couple homies and, and uh, cousins. You know, well, my cousin James looked out for me real decent with some bread. And so, you know, like I say, I'm a I'm a good natured person, man. And I and I take things as they go. But it it reminded me of what you just said. It reminded me of two stories, two quick stories. Um, And the name of this story I told is poker game leads to lefts and rights. My homie was playing poker and got into it with a dude, man. And the dude and the dude punched my homie. And then later on, he told you know, the police came and shit and we, we hopped on the nigga, mopped him up real decent. But he mm-hmm. the uh, the dude told the sergeant that he was tripping because he didn't want to go home. He had done about 15, 16 years and he was scared of going home. Now, at that time, I'm only about maybe, I don't know, seven, eight years into my life sentence. And I couldn't understand how a motherfucker didn't want to go home. Right. But mm-hmm. back then they didn't have the halfway houses and all that type of stuff. And so now I realized he probably didn't have a support system. You know, he was going out there to the cold, cruel world, you know, in prison, he getting three or four meals a day. He getting fed, you know, and out there he didn't have nothing. They give you two hundred dollars. Uh, he was from L.A. Mm-hmm. We was we was maybe about a three or four hour bus ride from L.A. So he was going to have to buy him some clothes, get him a ticket home. By the time he got home, he probably gonna have 70, 80 dollars left and maybe nowhere to go. And so now, I, you know, I kind of understand that now. And then also when I when I got out, I was in the halfway house. Mm-hmm. And I walked outside. Another dude had came and he had been there a couple of days. And this dude had done 34, 35 years. And this motherfucker is out there watching a parliament concert on his phone, smiling like a motherfucker. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it just it just took me back like, damn, this nigga, this nigga been in jail. This nigga been in jail since George Clinton was the shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, so, and, it just, and, and if you could have seen the look on this dude's face, boy, this dude looked like he had it all, you know, just watching a, a, a parliament, a parliament concert on the phone, man. And so, you know, it's definitely a blessing, you know, definitely a blessing to be out. OK, so what the fuck does it feel like to stand in front of the judge and this nigga say life at the end of your sentence? To be honest, I was expecting more time than the nine years plus life that I got. Uh, so when he gave me that, I was pretty happy. And then I remember, too, when I when I finally so when you leave, when you leave the county jail, 
and you go to your first prison, it's called a reception center. They analyze you, diagnose you, see where they're going to send you. So I'm talking to my counselor and she says, well, damn, you, you seem kind of upbeat to have 16 years plus life. You know, I guess a lot of people come in there moping and this and that. And honestly, to me, it came with the territory. You know, when you in the streets, you out there, you, you know, you don't expect to get caught. But if you get caught and you really have embraced the culture and you have embraced the um, the lifestyle. Don't cry. You knew the you know, you knew the job was dangerous when you took it. You know what I'm saying? And so um, now when I really was shook, shook up, they had charged me with those those uh, attempted murders at the party. Now, I mm -hmm. knew that mm -hmm. the, the, DA, the D.A. had been saying, OK, uh, this dude is also um, he has another murder and we're going to file that murder on him pretty soon. So that took about five or six months. OK, because what I end up doing right. So from the first case, it was a dude who was telling on me. In my first okay. case, you know, okay. so being young and dumb, I'm thinking, OK, if, if I eliminate the witness, I can beat the case. So uh, long story short, I catch up to him. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, now in, in my older, mature state, you know, um, I done what I felt I had to do to beat that first attempted murder case. All I really did is compounded the situation and make it worse. So as I'm going through, you know, I'm, I'm young. I'm, oh, man, they ain't got no they ain't got no charges on me. I mean, they ain't got no evidence on me. I remember telling my my public uh, uh, defender, I said, the dude from the other case that was telling on me, he died. So, uh, you know, they ain't got nothing on me. About five months later, when I went to court again, they said, yeah, today we're filing murder charges. Now, that shook me up. You know, I, I remember looking back at my family. My mom and them was on, in court, you know, and that mm -hmm. that shook me up. You know, that had me nervous and scared and this and that. But. I stayed in the county jail two years. So by the time I finally did get my life sentence, you know, to me, it was just it was part of the game. You know, of course, I didn't want to do all that time and shit. But, uh, you know, it was it was um, cool. it was just part of the game. And, and once again, I attribute that to just having a, um, a upbeat personality. You know, a lot of times in county jail, because after I excuse me, after I got sentenced to my nine years plus life, I stayed mm. in there another year fighting a murder case. And so sometimes okay. when people would find out that I already had life, they was like, damn, chill. You don't act like you got life. You know what? Well, I'm always thinking, well, damn, how, how are you supposed to act when you get life? But then I would be miserable. Right. And then later on, I did run across a bunch of people who was miserable and angry. And so I saw what they uh, meant. But then at the same time, like I said, if you really guilty of your crime and you brought that on you. How can you really be miserable? You know what pretty, I'm saying? Pretty, you, pretty fucking easy, bro. I mean, it's easy, <laughs> but, to, but to me, it's just like, because then niggas ain't, ain't accepted. You know, you have created your own reality. Yeah, so that's true. What, what can you be upset about? I mean, and, you know, this, like they say, man, cripping ain't easy. You know what I'm saying? And to me, that's the difference between some people really accepting that lifestyle and some people just out there playing in it to be popular and hanging out with their friends and this and that, you know. You know when you said that man, all I all I heard was Thuglish, Thuglish Douglas, nigga that had me cracking the fuck. Oh yo, Thuglish <laughs> Douglas, man, look, hey, I like that. I can I can see that you you really fuck with my page, right? Nigga, dying. <laughs> you know the characters, man. And listen, I, I promise you, man, Thuglish Douglas is lucky that I matured, man, because I would have slapped the shit out of Thuglish Douglas, you know, and. That's when my homie, like I said, my homie, we were selling at the time. And when we got in that confrontation in the day room, we went to the sale later on. And my homie said, Jill, I'm proud of you, homie. I'm proud of you. I said, what you talking about? He said, man, because I knew a few years ago you would have fucked him up. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, 
Yeah, you know, Thuglas, because Thuglas Douglas was small. He was a mark. He was scary. He ended up rolling up later on when his homies hopped on his helmet, you know. So, yeah, Thuglas Douglas, man, he was lucky, man. And then it was it was crazy, too, because I told the story. Uh, it was one of his homies that me and him used to laugh and joke and call the dude Thuglas Douglas, man. Yeah, his name was, rest in peace to that guy. Yeah, his name was, oh, I didn't know, I, I didn't know I mentioned that in the story, man. He ended yeah. up getting out and, and got killed, man. Broke my heart when somebody told me that, man. He was walking down, and he always used to be talking about uh, this girl by the name of Lady Bo, you know, he was in love with Lady Bo, and I guess he was leaving, coming from her house, man, and uh, somebody caught him and, and killed him, man, my my young little partner, man, good little dude, he always had a smile on his face, always laughing, you know, so yeah, man, my boy, tape it off. What was the worst conversation you had with your mother while you was locked up? Um... I would probably have to say two, probably two conversations. Maybe when when um when I got a when I when I was notified that my father had passed away, mm. and so I called home and she answered the phone. And uh, so what they do is they call you to the office and stuff, and they got a little chaplain in there sitting in there and all that old type of shit. And I said, hey man, just tell me, man. I don't, you know, I don't. He want to don't give me all these speeches, and I'm sorry, sir. And nigga, just tell me what's going on. So uh, he told me. Then I called my mom, and when she answered the phone. Mm -hmm. She answered the phone in a voice that was so distressed. I, I didn't even mm -hmm. reckon. I didn't think it was her. You know, I mm -hmm. had never heard her. I had never heard her um, in that in that, you know, sounding like that. And so yeah. just just seeing her so sad. And then other times, too, before I got my parole date, when she would just say, Eric, are you ever coming home? You know, just because she was getting older and just, uh, you know, just knowing that I had caused all this type of worry to her and, and, mm -hmm. and that type of stuff, you know, when we young and dumb and we out there in the streets, um, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't realize what we're doing. And a little bit, a little bit off track here. Like yesterday I happened to see where, uh, Tory Lanes had went to court and he was trying to get another, another, um, another trial or whatever. And the judge shot him down. And on the way out, he was screaming to the judge, please don't ruin my life. Don't ruin. I could be your brother. I could be your son. You know, in my opinion, man, you know, if he done it, if he shot, the, if he shot the girl in the foot to me, which is foul, if he did it, use a suck. I mean, who who shoots a woman? You know what I'm saying? To me, that's I'm from that era, man. You don't you don't put your hands on women and all that. So you you shoot a woman in the foot to me. If you did it, use a sucker. But also he's screaming, oh, judge, don't ruin my life, please. You know, if you did it. You ruin your own life, man. Did nobody ruin your life, nigga? You running around with millions, and you gonna you can you gonna shoot at a <laughs> you gonna shoot a woman in the foot? I mean, you know. So it just to me, like I say, that goes back to people haven't accepted. You know, we we don't accept the shit that we're doing to ourselves, man. If, if you out there gang banging, you in the streets, you know what comes with it. You know what I'm saying? So. When you get caught up in a situation, you got to stand up and stick to the code. And if you can't do that, don't even be in the street. It's, it's more honorable to say, hey, you know what? This life ain't for me, man. I'm going to leave before I get caught up in the situation. You know, hell no, I didn't want to go to jail and do 24 years. But I mean, I put myself in that position. You know, I, I can't get caught up. And now I want to tell on everybody else and because I can't take my medicine. So I don't, you know, to me, I don't I don't respect shit like that. You know, so that's just, you know, that's just what it is. So. I, I I I run into somebody you did time with in five years. What what do they what do they say about you, man? Listen, and I'm proud to say that. Right, they gonna say Chill is a stand up dude. Chill was solid, 
He always kept it real. He was a cool brother. I ain't never owed nobody in jail. I ain't never got beat up. I ain't never done no, you know, nothing I shouldn't have been doing and all that. And even though I'm not proud of why I went to jail, I'm proud of that. You know, I'm proud that I didn't go in there, you know, uh, telling on everybody and doing this and doing that because I couldn't do my time, you know. So, uh, and like I say, and that's going not necessarily, and that's not necessarily going to be with people mm -hmm. from my, uh, particular area. That's going to be everybody that I have interactions with bloods, mm -hmm. crips. You know, I got a lot of buddies right now from LA that I still hang out with. I go kick it with, you know, cause when you in prison, you bond with everybody after, you know, you sitting there and, and we, we in the same building, you know, we in the same building two, three years. We in there playing cars together, dominoes, watching TV, watching the Laker game, all that. You build bonds with some of everybody, you know. You know, what's interesting. I had I, um, I spoke to Michael Thompson. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, a really high ranking Aryan brother. Oh, OK. I, yeah, I, I, I've heard of him. Right. He end up snitching on them niggas. Uh huh. And which under normal circumstances is just, you know, like it doesn't get any worse than that. But the reason that he snitched is because they what was it? He, they they wanted to kill uh, a civilian who really had nothing to do with shit. Right. Is there an acceptable snitching? Hell no, man. Listen, everybody in jail, unless you are innocent, you in jail for hurting somebody. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's one of the things I found a little odd about being in prison. Everybody wants to be respected. The worst thing you can be in prison outside of a child molester and a rapist and this and that is a thief, a jailhouse thief. Now, if you just push up to somebody, it's one-on-one -on -one, and you take something from him, that's between mm. y'all. But if mm. this dude is if this dude is out to yard or something and you sneak up in his cell and you steal something from him, myself included, that's going to make a motherfucker go crazy. But if we if we if we think about it, we all have robbed and took stuff from, you know, whether you was the dope man, you out there or you shooting somebody, you, you jacking people, you know, um, we all want to be respected. But we don't we don't you know, we don't care about disrespecting somebody else. So thanks. All that shit goes out the window. It's no you know, it's if you are in the lifestyle, there is no. No reason for you to be telling, you know, most unusual. The person that you've had conversations with that you would not have conversations with under any other circumstances outside of prison. Um. And I, and why do you think about that? I'll give you one. The same guy, Michael Thompson, when he when he you know decided he wasn't gonna be with the Aryan Brotherhood no more, he ended up be in his program with uh, a high ranking former official of the Black Gorilla family. And they end up being really cool. And and that's what I was going to say. I was just thinking of probably like probably some person, you know, some. um, Some skinhead type motherfucker who I ended up uh, having a conversation with, you know, because especially when you in prison and you see, you know, and I'm going to keep it 100. Right. Sometimes mm -hmm. I remember, you know, walking here or there or I, I remember specifically I was in, in line for the phone. And I'm standing behind some white dude. He got all these racial tattoos on him. And mm. I felt like an idiot for being in jail, you know, um, for doing something to somebody black. You know, I'm thinking like, here's a motherfucker who I should be knocking his head off, you know. Right. But in certain situations, sometimes you in the course of having a job or you might work with a person like that. You guys are going to talking and you and you will realize that you guys have very similar, similar feelings about certain things. You know, your ideologies may be different. But at the same time, 
he was just another man. And unfortunately, due, due to where you guys grew up and whatever culture you, you chose to embrace, you realize that you guys have a lot of the same um, characteristics, a lot of the same mm -hmm. beliefs on certain things, you know, uh, especially on loyalty and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, prison will sometimes put you in a place with a person who you think would have, you think you would have nothing in common with, but come to find out you guys are a lot more, uh, have things in common than you would realize. What I did find interesting was the white crips. Uh-huh. Like the ones that stayed down. Right. Most most people would choose the easier path. Right. Um, and if you're not familiar, go go look up one. I think it's one one guy named Snow, a guy you were you were Sully's with. Um I can't remember his name, but uh Gee-wee. well Pee-wee, he calls himself Gee-wee. I just talked to him today, but Snow Rock. Come to find out now, Snow Rock, me and Snow Rock was in the same prison. I just didn't I just didn't realize it because he was in another building, but I got mm -hmm. a homie. I got a homie who was over there with him and uh, he said, oh, yeah, man. Matter of fact, what happened is. By him being from San Diego, some bloods had fucked with one of his homies while he was at work. Mm -hmm. So when he got off work, according to my homie, he found out about it. They came right out the cell and got cracking. And like you say, sometimes it's it's. Uh, it's harder for those dudes to stay down, but the ones that do stay down, you will find out and see that. Those dudes are really down and with the business because they've had it hard their whole life trying to be a white crip or a white blood. You know, not only are they fighting other motherfuckers, but for a lot of times in their own hood, they have to fight over and over and over before they're finally accepted. You know, yeah, that's what snow. I watched the snow story and dude was like, man, my my my, my, my niggas. Well, he didn't say that, but, you know, my, my bros like well, they jumped that nigga in like seven times. Right. You know, I'm, I, I, look, bro, I don't like nobody that much to get my ass beat seven times just to hang out with you. Right. You know, and, um, and then you, go ahead, bro. And then I was just going to say, just to keep it 100, you know, Snow Rock is probably about uh, in my age generation, somewhere around there, you know, uh, early 50s, late 40s. Back then, we didn't respect no white boys as far as, you know, fighting and stuff. You know, you couldn't. I, I didn't believe white people could play basketball Man. or fight. Man, <laughs> until I went to prison, you know what I'm saying? Because there are a lot of, you know, we grow up with a lot of, we grew up with a lot of believing a lot of things that's just not true. And the reason we believe them because they have been heavily circulated in our area. So when you hear yeah. your uncles and who your dad and all these people talking about that, you start to believe that stuff until you find out better. You know what I'm saying? And so I say that to say I'm pretty sure Snow Rock, his homies, they didn't, you know, uh, white boy. Oh, no, we ain't accepting no white boys. And so they going to make him fight and make him fight and make him fight. But we fail to realize people are people the same way a black person can learn how to fight. A white person can learn how to fight. Yeah. And, and what he said was it, it actually end up they trained him. Right. Unknowingly. Right. You know, and it, it helped him. At, you know, unfortunately, he had to go to the joint and it definitely helped him. Um, what was, what was the best time you had locked up? And once again, like I say, by me, I'm a, I'm a good natured person. You know, uh, I've been funny all my life. So I had a lot of good times. Prison is, <laughs> prison is what you make it. You know what I'm saying? Prison is what you make it. If you want to walk around moping and shit, you're going to have a fucked up situation. I'm looking at it like 
I'm I'm fish to be here, you know. I'm so I'm gonna be me. I'm gonna have fun, man. Me and my homies, we be in there rapping and bagging and in the cell wrestling, slap boxing, doing all that type of shit, you know. Especially um, when I was in a prison by the name of Ironwood, it's down mm-hmm. in Blythe, going towards Arizona, and I was on this one particular yard for about three, four years, and so it was a group of us, man. And we, you know, we had we had a bunch of fun, man. Shout out to my homie Emmanuel Gazy, uh. My boy Pinwan from Grave Street, Prentice. Uh, my boy uh, uh, Psych from from Bounty Hunter. My boy uh, Snow. Snow was from um, uh, uh, Swans. You know my buddy Dale. It was a bunch of us there. You know Philly. I think Philly is one of the few that's still locked up right now. And I believe Philly, his son is um, his son is uh, is uh that that uh mixed martial artist dude, Kevin the black dude, Kevin uh. Man, what is Philly's last name? Yo, is it required that you remember where every nigga is from? No, but 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 you know when you when you doing time with all these dudes because you know in in this gang banging culture you're gonna have a lot of dudes with the same name you're gonna run across a lot of you know for instance JoJo's and Snows and and Whoopie Whoop so that's why y'all say you know such and such from Bounty Hunter or because it may be you'll run across several you know you'll run across unless you just got a real weird name but you'll run across several dudes you know. Who mm-hmm. might have the same? Who might have the same nickname? So that's why sometimes you'll hear a lot of Cali dudes when they speaking on people. They'll say, "Oh, you know, such and such from Rolling Sixties, or or such and such from this set," because it's, it's, it's absolutely a Cali thing. Because I've I've had a couple of people from Cali on here, and it's always exactly such and such from you know that's part of their name and shit. Right. Because yeah. hey, I'm just I'm just thinking. You said, "Is it mandatory that you remember where everybody's from?" <laughs> Like, like, like I didn't heard of the bounty hunters. I didn't heard of the swans, you know? So when you said that, like, I know I'm not from, I've never even been to those places, right? but I know what you're talking about. Right. Like, you know, like I remember, like, what's the dude named BJ from, from the bounty hunter. The I've bounty seen, hunter, I, right. Yeah, I've seen shit on his shit. I've seen a, a documentary on the swans, you know? So I've kind of, it's a um, matter of fact, that made me think the prison story genre why do you think that's so popular? You know, I don't know. I call prison the place that everybody wants to know and nobody wants to go. And you know what? I just I think it's just, uh, you know, people, the curiosity of people wondering what's going on inside prison, because even with all the time I've done 24 years straight, I'm still interested in hearing other people's stories. You know, I'm still I'm still fascinated by, you know, uh, the, the experiences of other people. And, you know, that reminds me too. every time because I had a celly by the name of Heron. And so every time I would mention Heron in my stories, people in the comments would say, are you talking about Heron from the dude who used to run with a uh, with death row, Suge Knight in there? And so that's why, you know, that's why you'll hear me say Heron from the Grandees, you know, because like I say, people will have the same name. So you got to, you know, we, we try to um, let people know exactly which specific person that we're talking about. Okay, you got a young brother that's getting ready to go down, and they doing at least ten. What's the the first piece of advice you give them? Uh, you got to just get in there and be yourself, man. You know, um, people sometimes try to get in there and and please people, and you'll realize that you're dealing with a lot of cutthroats and snakes, and everybody's not the same, you know. And I think that's one of the things that that harmed and hampered. Doing my time because I'm like I say, I grew up in a small city, mm-hmm. 85, 90 percent of the people who I graduated with and from high school, I went to kindergarten with. So I've been knowing these people all my life. 
And so, wow. you know, I have that I have that type of uh, affinity and, and affection for people, period. You know what I'm saying? I'm not just a, all that whole time I grew up. I had one fight with with uh, one of my homies. You know, I'm, I'm not 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 saying that all my other homies is, won't. But I'm not the type of person that's going to get cool with you and then fight you over something small. So I went into prison with that type of attitude. Like, you know. One cool with a person, we cool. But no, everybody's not like this. Gonna flip the script on you. Some... Yeah, let me yeah, it's breaking up a little bit. Yeah, let me try to get it back here. Yo, that's okay. crazy though. Yeah, some do. Damn. Yeah, I don't know what the hell was going on. Yo, man, StreamYard can be trash sometimes, bro. Yeah. You know, I'm not even gonna say it ain't but, you. It's just technology is ass sometimes. At least, at least we got it, and that's another thing I need to start doing. Taking a more, um, you know, when I got out, I was more happy or, or or willing to let people figure out the technology for me or do it for me. But I need to really start learning how to, um, you know, at least do it, and and which I can now do some of the smaller things because you know without without learning how to work a computer and all that stuff, you're not gonna get you know you're not gonna get far in this day and age. So. Yo, nigga, when you went to jail, we had phones in bags. Yeah, see, when I when I when I went to jail, yeah, I had a um, we didn't. Of course, there wasn't no YouTube, no internet, none of that stuff. I had a um, I had one of them brick phones. I had a a, a, a phone in a bag that plugged into a lighter, and I had a uh, a Tandy Vision <laughs> phone from Radio Shack, one of them long oh. phones. You, and uh, you had, you had the uh 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 the the uh the Zach phone from Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> you see, I remember all that. Like, I remember when cell phones came out, man. And nigga, oh my God. And I and I remember my partner, I was in the cell with this dude, man, from Louisiana, Miles. And uh he was saying, Hey man, we need to get a cell phone, you know, because this is maybe about 2010, 11. <laughs> cell phones is, is starting to float around real, you know, real tough. And I'm telling him, oh man, I don't need a cell phone. I'm cool. I said, you know, I got people I can call, people to make a three-way for me. So about two or three days later, he brought a cell phone up in there. And he's showing me now how you can get on Facebook and you know, all these. I said, God damn, hell yeah, we need one of them motherfuckers. I didn't know they I didn't know they had all these capabilities, you know. Yeah, I, I didn't know that, you know, you could do all that stuff on there. Yo, so outside of moms, who rolled the bed out with you? Uh, outside of moms, to be honest, my, my cousin James, I definitely have to say my cousin James, man, he was there with me, you know, uh, um, my daughter, um, and you know, my, my dad and, uh, until he passed away and, uh, outside of that, you know, yeah, that was it as far as just being there solid, you know, my brother, you know, outside of that though, shit, as far as just Solid, you know, I, and I had a couple of homies here and there, but shit, they was in and out the feds, you know, in and out the pen, and so you can't, you know, you can't depend on them. And then, uh, you know, um, right now, one of my homies, right now, he, uh, he, he's back in the feds, and you know, this nigga was balling and, and doing real good, and he'd send me a dollar here and there, and you know, now he, this motherfucker called me every day, want want some money, you know what I'm saying? So motherfuckers is, is gonna be, they still not gonna treat you the way they wanna be treated. And I had to tell him the other day, I said, damn, homie, the first month you was locked up, he'll call me HTO, let me get a dollar, talking about a hundred dollars. I'm sending mm. it to him all the time, but I said, nigga, I come to find out, I get out, nigga, you got all these cars and this and this and that. Nigga, you send me two or three hundred dollars maybe once or twice a year. I wasn't hearing from you like that. So, you know, 
these uh motherfuckers don't keep keep that up, you know, they don't keep that in mind, you know, or, or in memory. So that's what yeah, these young yeah. niggas don't realize, man. Is yeah. that a lot of niggas will talk that shit, but very few is gonna gonna ride that time out with you. Right. You know, um, and man, I, I wish more people would talk about that because cause at this point, like it's almost as if uh and, and I know uh I, I was watching Big Court uh, on a whole court podcast, do an interview with Melvin Farmer. And I know you did a joint with him too. Um, right. But they, they were talking about um, how going to prison is almost a requirement now to get validated in the streets. Right. And you know what? It's always, to be honest, it's always been. It's always been. The only difference between now and as opposed to my time and especially Melvin Farmer's time and all that, we didn't have all this social media, which, which is going to magnify everything. You know, it's going to, everybody can see everything going on. You know, like nowadays you may, you may, uh, you know, you may go around the corner and, 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 uh, shoot, shoot up your enemies and stuff. And everybody going to know about it. Deuce is putting everything on social media as back in the days, only those who were involved in that type of street life, was going to hear about that type of shit. So, you know, only, you know, you might have read something like that on the walls if, if, if a person wanted to kill you or something like that. But nowadays, social media magnifies everything, you know. And so, uh, you know, because back back in the days, you know, going going to the pen was almost like a rite of passage, a passage, you know, uh, mm. a motherfucker got out the pen, you know, with his chest all swole, his hair all long, you know, and, and he was he was uh, he was official. You know what I'm saying? And then back in those days in California, the time was easier to do in terms of an attempted murder. You can you could you could go to trial and lose on an attempted murder and get seven years with halftime. So you're only doing three years. You 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 go to trial and lose, you get 16 years on a murder, and you're only doing eight years. You know, they didn't have all these life sentences, and but now when, once they started, you know, coming with these gun laws and all that type of shit, now you better off, you better off killing a nigga and taking a deal. Nowadays, you know, you'll shoot at him and miss. You, I got a homie that got about 90 years to life on a, um, I think he got a terrorist act or some sh terrorist threat or some shooting into an inhabited dwelling. This dude got 90 years to life for shooting for, uh, uh, they say he shot in a house and called on the phone, talking about, I'm gonna kill you. He got 90 years to life where as opposed, I got 16 years plus life for a murder and three attempted murders. And like I say, had I went to try, I mean, had I, I could have took a deal on that and, and, and probably got maybe about 20 years would have. So, I mean, you know, it's just, it's different now. And so all that time that they're giving out, of course, is going to make people less willing to go to jail. That's fucking did, did he kill anybody? Nobody even got killed. Nobody even got killed. Yo, 90 years. Yeah, bro. Like, see, that's, that's why I don't do crime, bro. Because I'm telling not even yeah. a lie. Nigga. I'm, I'm, it's, at this age, nigga, 90 years is a life sentence for me. Man. Nigga, nigga 20 know. years is probably a life sentence. Man, shit. Hey, 10 minutes, 10 minutes in the cop car is a life sentence for me now. You know, it just, you know, and and, and that's, the, that's, that's the thing, though. You know, when we get older and we really start to give a fuck, stuff like this matters. You know, I mean, in some ways, I, I, I still am the same old motherfucker, you know, but now... I fear the consequences. Back when I was young, yeah. I didn't give a fuck. You know, now shit, I don't want to go to jail. These women out here, man, listen, I've been running, I've been, I've been working out hard twice a day to try to get ready for some of these bitches out here is so bad, man. I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to experience this shit. I ain't trying to be in a cell with some old hard-headed funky foot motherfucker. You know, shit, it's going, it's going on out here, man. Shit. 
<laughs> you know what? It is? The older you get, the more you appreciate time. Man, most definitely, man. Most definitely. You know, at 20, I didn't give a fuck about You know, I at 20, I could give away 10 years and be cool with that. And get out, still be young. Yeah. At 50, nigga, giving away 10 years, nigga, it might yeah. be a death sentence. Man. Yeah. Too, uh, too it, long, man. Too oh long. Oh, God. You know? uh, big U. You like you, you you see him on TV. You see him, on the, uh, you know he is like the super crip. I even got a chance to interview his nephew, um, but I didn't realize the nigga was like like for real for real until I watched your chat your 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 story about him. Yeah, Big U was my next. He was my next door neighbor. Two two doors two doors away from me. That what's that? Uh, I don't even like for you. Like and, and I know, like like you didn't get starstruck, you you know Trey D, you didn't, you just wanted to meet, you didn't want somebody to be like, oh, this is Trey D, you know, like, what was that nigga like on a personal level? Okay, so Big U, he lives, he his, he's from he's from Los Angeles. I'm like maybe where I live is like an hour and fifteen minutes, maybe thirty minutes from Los Angeles. So at the time I met Big U, I had never even heard of Big U. You know, um, the yard when he when he hit the yard, mm-hmm. Big U's here. Big U's on the yard. Every I mean, motherfuckers who had knew had knew. You know, what I mean, because he's like I say, he's from L.A. And then his name was by that time his name was ringing bells also in prison. But as far as by me being so far and not being from mm-hmm. L.A., I didn't I didn't know who the dude was. My neighbor, I mean, my my celly at the time, he was from L.A., so he knew all about him and all that type of stuff. So he gave me he gave me the game on him, you know, told me a little bit about him, whatever, whatever. Then I had a few homies who had been in other prisons with him, but I hadn't ran across him. And so uh, he ends up, you know, maybe after he's he's there for a while, he ends up happening to move in the cell with a good friend of mine, Crazo from Raymond. You might have seen Crazo on the Kev Mac show, little Mm -hmm. Crazo. Mm -hmm. And so. uh, so I end up meeting Big U probably through uh through Crazo. Me and Crazo was was kicking it real tough. So man, Big U is a naturally cool dude. I mean, he's down to earth. He's a he's a cool dude. To keep it 100, man, he's a cool dude. You know, he at that time, he's a gang member. He's gonna do what he has to do. You know what I'm saying? The dude is highly respected, he's highly active. But that dude, whoever he considers his people at the time. Mm-hmm. You got love coming, whether it's blacks, whether it's the neighborhood crips. I mean, and being in prison at times, it may change. Like I say, I seen him one time, an Asian dude was talking shit to somebody else black. And Big U said, man, you're not supposed to do nothing to nobody black, motherfucker. He started pushing over there. You know, the Asians, they grabbed the dude or whatever. So, I mean, if he consider you a part of his particular circle, you know, you, you it's, it's all love, man. We used to play Monopoly all the time, basketball. You know, he's he's, he's a real cool down to earth dude, you know. I would not play Monopoly in prison. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nigga, I'm, I'm not, like, I'm, I'm a very animated Monopoly player, and I'd probably get my ass beat. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Um, you don't talk about the Asians too much, like, and matter of fact, I got two two questions. The cars, right? Um, explain the. I guess the from from my understanding, like when you say a car, that is basically like your set in prison. Right, right. A car is basically just whoever. Whatever collective you have chose to, you know, to run with, you know, California prisons are branched off by racial cars and then interracial cars, especially with the blacks. You know, with the blacks, we have so many different different cars and stuff. So, you know, because uh, different counties, you know, you got Los Angeles County and so many different gangs, you know, um, 
you know, you got Watts, Compton and Watts, and then you got different little hoods from Compton and Watts, you know, then, then you got the neighborhood car. Those are those are hoods like rolling 40s, rolling 60s, you know, uh, hoods that have neighborhood attached to them, you know. Um, uh, then you got the gangster car, the A-Trade gangsters, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, Monster Cody yeah, the full trade gangsters. Did, so matter those of fact, are, I, I hate to break you up. Did, did, did you run into Monster Cody? No, I never ran into Monster Cody. Uh, to my understanding, every time Monster Cody came to prison due to his influence, he was automatically he was automatically put in the shoe. He, they had gave him an indeterminate shoe. Um, for God. one time being being because you can be you can be from a street gang, but if they if they think that you're from a prison founded gang. Which is the CCO, the BGF, the uh, uh, the Mexican Mafia, the the northern the northern structure, um, any type of you know the Aryan Brothers, any type of prison gang they find you to be in, you would automatically get an indeterminate shoe. And so every time, and even so, you could come to jail, do five years, and get out, come back on another sentence, and they still have to put you right back in the shoe. So. Uh, that's what happened to him a whole lot. Eventually, I believe he was released from the shoe. But no, I never I never met him. And and uh, to me, I'm, I'm going to do a story on that pretty soon. It was crazy because I read his book while I was free. You know, when I was on the streets, I was an avid reader. I used to read a whole lot. And mm -hmm. so I read his book and, and his book really influenced my gang banging and all that type of stuff, too. But it was crazy to get to prison and run across some of those people that he had mentioned in that book, because at the time, even though. I'm on the run when I'm reading this book. You know, I still don't I still, you know, don't picture myself going to prison. And so uh you just, I so ran, you you just know, think you wasn't gonna get caught. You know, dumb as a box of rocks, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, hey, when you young, when you young, you just think you're that guy. You know, you think can't nothing happen to you, can't nobody kick your ass, can't none of that shit. You know, you don't know shit, you know, but you think you know everything. And I I look, I never forget. My dad, he told me, he said. He said, Eric, you better you better be cool because my dad knew when I was on the run, I was trying to catch up with the people who I thought, you know, was telling on me and this and that. My dad said, uh, Eric, you better be cool. They giving they giving people life for murder. I said, oh, don't worry, dad. I ain't going to get caught. I never forget that. Never forget that. You know, <laughs> And what did he say to that? He didn't you know, he didn't say that. My dad was cool. You know, my it was a trip. Right. Because I had one of them one of them pops when I was 14, 15 on the block selling cocaine, he'd come up there and try to run me off the block. You know, I'd hear him coming on his motorcycle. Room, room, I'd run it hot, you know, because he told me, don't let me catch you up here, you know. But the second I turned 18, he just told me, hey, you know, just just be careful, man. Just be careful and shit. When I um when I got locked up, you know, my dad was he was he was against selling drugs. He had a he had a cousin in, in Baltimore, big who was the second biggest, according to him, biggest dope dealer in Baltimore. And he got caught and uh uh, the dude was trying to get my dad to join his organization. My dad said, "No, I'm cool." And went on to the army. Uh, dude ended up getting caught. The lawyer played him out of you know out of his money, out of his clubs, and all that. And then it was time to show up in court. He didn't show up in court, you know. So my dad was against all that. But once I got caught, uh, man, I you know I still had the connection to the plug. Man, you know my dad took dope out of state to pay for my lawyer and all that type of shit, you know. Nigga. The, the, the nigga, the nigga, he bought him, he bought him a couple cars too. Now he bought him a couple <laughs> cars too. <laughs> hey, but he, <laughs> but he took that for the work. 
he got a he got a couple cars. That nigga pull up talking about, oh yeah, I got the new, I got the new Lincoln, I got the new Lincoln Mark Five. I, I said, damn, that, that money for the lawyer. What are you doing? Oh man, you know, I, I had to get me a little something, you know. So, <laughs> so he, he, he uh, you know, he he hopped in the game, you know. But he like oh. he, he, he he was just cool, man. He was cool, you know. He was cool, uh. The night I did what I did, you know, I, I went past there, let him know, you know, dropped the guns off to him. He went and hit the guns, all that type of shit, you know. So, yeah, man, nothing but uh, nothing but respect to my dad. You know, that was one of the um, my, one of my regrets too. You know, being in prison when he passed away, and you know, couldn't mm-hmm. be out there to take care of him and stuff like that. So, uh, man, I can't. Wow, he sounds <laughs> sound like a hell of a man, though, man. Yeah. <laughs> motorcycles all that type of shit because my dad is from blackstone virginia you know he's from a small little uh small little town in the country so we went out there he actually my dad actually had a and this was like in 88 89 we went to his mom's house they still was getting water from a well and all that they were some country motherfuckers you know living in a, oh. a pretty much a shack still going out there to get you know uh, uh, water from the well and so he never had much growing up so he wanted to give me and my brother everything you know from that Age nine, ten, we didn't had motorcycles, all types of shit, you know. So, uh, yeah, my dad was a good dude. So, what? Your brother took a completely different path. Man, listen, when I would be out there on the block selling dope at sixteen, seventeen, my brother would be riding by in the car with the police. He, my brother, was a police exploiter. Niggas looking at me crazy, like, "Chill, we need to patch niggas. You wired? Do we need to patch you down?" You know. Uh, <laughs> And uh, shit, that's you know that's what my brother wanted to do. He wanted to be a police, you know. <laughs> Nigga, that's a, that's a fucking movie, bro. <laughs> yeah, so you know, yeah, me and my brother, and my brother, like my brother was born in August 9th, nineteen seventy. I'm born August fifth, nineteen seventy one. So we're not even a year apart. But me and my brother are exact opposites, exact. So that's why I don't, I don't believe in that horoscope shit. And everybody that's under the same sign got the same, you know. Because me and my brother's exact. You know, we exact opposite. You know, my brother, he don't like to fight. He laid back, all that. You know, we 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 different. You know, what's crazy is I got two daughters born in the same month, a year apart, and they mm-hmm. so different. Right. They so different. Uh, what was the most, the dumbest shit you had since you were in a car? And, and I can't remember the story, but I know you told a story about uh, a dude getting y'all involved in just a stupid ass fucking fight. Um, matter of fact, it was, was it y'all against the Bloods and it was like five of y'all? Oh, 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 uh, oh yeah, yeah. You talking about at, um, yeah, at CMC when we got into it, it was the, it was with the Compton and Watts dude, my homeboy likewise. Yeah, 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 over the football game. Yes. Yeah, over the foot over the football game, man. Yeah, these yeah. dudes, you know, dumb and, and then come to find out. So it was likewise and it was my homie G Money. G-Money is only 19. Likewise is about 32 at that time. Likewise had been to prison two or three times. He had done enough time and he was old enough to know better, you know, but come to find out once it all happened and we went to the hole, he's pumping likewise. I mean, likewise is pumping G-Money up, telling him, hey, man, don't accept that. So uh, the shit was supposed to be squashed. So, you know, I'm up there. I'm playing tennis. I'm getting my Arthur Trash on. You know, I'm playing. Somebody say, hey, chill, man. They say, look back here. I look back. It's like, Four or five of my homies literally surrounded by 40, 50 motherfuckers. I said, oh, damn. Put my goddamn tennis racket down. <laughs> I should have took the motherfucker with me. That's where I fucked up at. So Walk down there, you know, long story short, you know, the riot started. Man, we fighting like a motherfucker, man. You know, and this, 
it's like three or four of them. On, it, it was so many of them dudes, they didn't even have nothing to do, you know. And uh, I own Steli at the time, who was from. Now, see, like here's another name that you'll find a lot of these dudes. My Steli was named No Good. So, you know, this No Good happened to be from, uh, he happened to be from Fudgetown Watts. So, mm-hmm. uh, my own Steli ended up rushing me, you know what I'm saying? And so, to keep it 100, it hurt me a little bit. I understood. I understood it's part of the game, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, but he ain't had he to, could, and I he didn't have to rush you. He could have rushed right, one of your homeboys, right? And, yeah, and, and that, I, that, that was the part that I didn't like. It's like you know, like bro, we we live together, and and right. no homo, but bro, like we in you know six by nine together, nigga. We we you know like, and then right. when you told the story about how his people's past and how you looked right. out, like at that point, that shouldn't buy your team a pass, but it should right. definitely get you a pass. Right, right. And see, and, and and for that reason, that's why you have a lot of people who only sell up with their immediate homeboys, you know, because you never know, you know, and like I said, when I, when I said earlier, you know, I'm from a small town. I'm cool because that's how I grew up with my homies. But everybody is not like that. Yeah. So, you know, that's a situation where it definitely could have hurt me. You know, say we had a came back in the cell. I'm thinking he ain't tripping. You know, and uh, I lay down. This nigga pull a knife out and stab me. You never know what the next man is thinking. So that's how, you know, like I said, sometimes certain situations like that, I believe I, looking back now, knowing what I know now, some of that shit, you know, it, um, you know, it definitely it definitely hurt me. You know what I'm saying? You can't you can't. I realized because you had asked me the question for the phone fucked up. A person getting ready to go do 10 years, you know, you can't you can't become too friendly with everybody. You know, you can't, you know, just think you locked in. And, you know, that's another thing. I thought that, you know, everybody in jail, we Crips, everybody got the same attitude that I got. And everybody's um, level of dedication to that shit is different. You know, when I was in the county jail, I explained what I was going through to this older Crip who had been to jail two, three times. This nigga ended up writing the, the district attorney a letter and. Talk about he know about my case because he was looking at three strikes. He come to court and testify on me, tell on me and all type of shit. And I'd never, you know, I'd never said the nigga's name. And I don't know why I'm saving this nigga. This nigga's name is Ellery Smiley. That's his real name. <laughs> Ellery Smiley. He's from Rolling <laughs> 90s Crip. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, yes, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, no disrespect to the Rolling 90s. But yeah. yeah, nigga, you earned that. Right. And so, you know, eventually later on, eventually, I, uh, you know, I showed because I had the paperwork. I showed the paperwork to a couple of his homies. My boy, shout out to my boy, Duke, uh, and, and shout out to Twin. And uh, they was getting ready to go get him because they it was a, it was a smiley from from they hood. And he was on another yard, but it wasn't that smiley. The, the smiley that was on another yard, his nickname was smiley. This dude's this dude's real name is Ellery Smiley. So I definitely want to make that clear, too. It's not smiley from 90s it's not him this dude's real name is smiley and uh he told me he used to go by e-baby and another dude cricket he told me he was locked up this nigga told you his street name and then snitched on you man look we was in we was in the pod together five six months got into a ride with the pisces and everything you know this dude was you know this dude was down at the time he was probably about 38 i think older dude you know we got into a ride with the pisces he in there knocking motherfuckers out and all that and so that don't, you know, and so later on, I realized that don't mean nothing just because a dude is going to fight and do all this and that. He, you know, he could be the toughest dude on the yard, but still be a snitch. So, you know, that taught me also that, you know, just because a dude is is a crip or he's black or he he's um 
he plays the part, you know, you never know what the next man is. And so you can't you can't just get to jail or prison and think you're buddy buddy with everybody, you know, because everybody has, you know, different agendas. Man, you know what? And I know I'm going to let you go in a minute. But th what I don't hear much about is the Asian population in, in prison. Are, oh, are okay. they not it's, active? Oh, no, the Asians are active, right? But now the Asians, the Asians are active, right? But the Asians are real cool, man. The Asians are cool. They they run a real tight car, uh, a family-orientated car, you know. Mm -hmm. And to me, the Asians are, you know, uh, uh, when the Asians started coming over here, a lot of them moved into black communities, you know, or, or lower income communities. And then the, the Asians is just like the blacks, man. They cool. Um, I'm trying to think since I've been here, probably only two or three, maybe three or four homies have come to my house since I, you know, my own homies don't even know where I live no more. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't let motherfuckers know where I'm at, but my Asian homie Pee Wee, a dude mm -hmm. who I met in jail, he has been to my house several times, man. The Asians is cool. You know, we kick it, we clown. I know that old motherfucker Charleston White was trying to kick up a whole bunch of bullshit at one point in time, talking about the Asians and the blacks and do, 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 and y'all let the Asians do this, man. The Asians is cool, man. The Asians to me, they cool, man. You know, they, they, they cool as a fan, man. The Asians is cool. I mean, well, I will say this, and and, and not to to be defending that dude, but and I got nothing against him either. However, like like how people are in prison, absolutely different than how they are outside, right? You and and to so, keep, go ahead. No, and I was gonna say to keep it one hundred, right? I like a lot of the things Charleston White say. I just don't like the way he goes about saying them. But he said a thousand times that that shit is a character just to get people's attention. You know, the first time I ever seen Charleston White, he was talking about how um, the little 13 year old. Well, at the time, the dude was like 12 or 13. He was a rapper. He had a song out called Corvette Corvette. I don't I don't remember the dude's name, but mm -hmm. they had found out around the age of 13 or 14. His mom, he had saw a murder and his mama took him down and made him tell what he saw, you know, maybe 12 or somewhere around there. So mm. he had a major song that was jumping off, I think, Little Dirt and some real famous rappers that hopped on the song with him. But once they found out about these 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 snitching allegations, they asked to be talk, took off the song. And so, so Charleston White was saying that you can't hold a motherfucker responsible for telling at no nine or 10 years old. What was he supposed to do? Tell his mama, no, I'm not going down there. And I agree with him a hundred percent. You know, a lot yeah. of, a lot of the points that he make, I agree with him. It's just the way that he goes about making these points and trying to, you know, do this shock jock type of thing. You know, some of the things he says is definitely, you know, unnecessary and, and, and uh, in my opinion, you know, uncalled for. The, the fact that he does that and, and is successful says something most definitely you know it ain't just him whack 100 does the same shit right you know and respectfully i don't want you to don't, don't he'll never see this but uh, you don't need to cuss me out i'm not saying right. to get your fade on that right. shit although i will if necessary right but, you know like i'm eh. anyway um yo how, how do people get in contact with you if they want to holler at you and where do they get one of those shirts it's fucking the shirts are fire bro and, oh, the, you know, and the music. I got to definitely, I got to definitely, because I, I had slowed down on the shirts, man, because the shirts is, you know, when I used to go to buy the shirts, sometimes I might get five, six hundred dollars worth of shirts, and you mm. never really know um, how they going to sell, you know, like, I'm the type, yeah. honestly, I probably wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't catch me rocking nobody else's merchandise. I ain't just, you know, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just that type of person, so I was reluctant to even get the merch. 
you know, but people kept saying, oh, get some merch, get some merch. OK, so finally, when I get when I got the merch, initially it's, it, it was selling pretty well. But, you know, lately I I didn't scale back on I haven't gotten. But I, I still have. Actually, I got a few shirts, right? I got a few right here, actually. But uh, right now, my little my supply is low because, like I say, I haven't I haven't re-upped. I haven't re-upped and stuff, and I don't I don't know if I'll get back into it. Or I seen one of them sites where you can you can you go on there and and, and basically you let them handle it for you, and they, and they get a percentage or something like that. So I yeah. might I might try that. But as far as the um contacting me, all they got to do is get at me on uh you can email me at uh sixteen to life music um dot com. What is that? Sixteen to life music at gmail dot com. So that's one six. D-A-L-I-F-E music at gmail.com, all regular spelling, or you can you can hit me up on Instagram at 16-D-A-L-I-F-E and uh shoot me a message, you know. Um and so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Same thing with the music, you know. You can you can go to my YouTube playlist and go, uh scroll down to gas stations. And you can find a lot of my music there. And hopefully I'm going I'm to I'm be dropping some music for the summer. I've been procrastinating a little bit with the music, but I need to get back on that too. Yeah, bro. You bullshit. Yeah. I ain't no procrastinating, nigga. You, you, you fucking off, bro. Because that intro matter, is, is motherfucking dope. Matter of fact, I got some CDs right here. You know, when I got out, I remember, I, I remember when I first got out, motherfuckers was clowning me. All OG. We don't sell CDs no more OG and all that old type of shit, you know. <laughs> and so I found out too that, you know, um, the the streaming, the streaming, that shit is good for visibility. But when 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 a person streams one of your songs, all you get is nine tenths of a penny. You don't get no money. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. if I'm able to sell three or four hundred CDs at ten fifteen dollars a pop, that's a nice chunk of change. You know. Now I do think that if you put it like if you have your own website and stream it, the compensation is different. Right, and that's what I'm gonna look into. I seen something the other day called inadot.com where you can put your own music on your website. And so mm -hmm. uh yeah, I just need to figure that stuff out and 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 you know, cause if I can if I can stream one of my songs for two or three bucks, that'll definitely help with you know with uh studio costs yeah. and shit like yeah. that. And what I was doing, like the t shirts you got, like I like I got the machine, the little press, but I can only do one at a time. So uh -huh. what what I would do is like for the shirt, for instance, like I would uh like I would sell them, but individually. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not about to buy 500 of them. Right. I'm gonna, you're gonna pay me for the one, and then I'll go in my basement and make that one. Right. And there's there's young kids all across just doing the same shit. Like I got a guy in Memphis that would do this shit for me. Somebody in Detroit that'll do this shit. You know what I'm saying? So if you find somebody like in your community that'll make like it'll be difficult to make the hoodie you got on. But the T-shirt, yeah, you could definitely make those, and that that saves you on everything. You automatically right. put the uh, the the the, uh, the mailing cost, the shipping cost into it. You automatically put all the costs into it, and you don't have no overhead. Right. You know, and it just take you two weeks to get it to them. Yeah. And you tell them that up front, and they cool with that. Yeah. You know, like I, I nigga, you deserve to get. Every bit of change you can get, bro. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely trying, man. I'm definitely trying, you know. You know, um, I'm proud of you, man. Um, if nobody else has told you that today, man, and 24 years is a long fucking time. You need to get all the box you can get and enjoy all the meals you can get. You know. <laughs>
Hey, hey, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it, man. Nigga. It's, what's, let me ask you one more, one, one more question and then we out. Was, I don't know. It probably took you, what, 10 minutes to shoot up a party, if that? Man, was, it was, probably was, shit. Was them it niggas took, worth it? Hell no, man. Because you know what? It probably took me, what, when I once I pulled that thing out and let it loose, it probably took me three, four seconds, right? And hell no, because and, and I used to, I used to honestly think about that all the time, man. Because at the time when I did that, I was living in Montana. So I'm going, you know, I'm and I was in California because I ran out of dope. So I'm coming down here to get some more dope. And man, I was making a killing out there, man. Um, uh, an ounce out there was going for sixteen hundred dollars at the time. So I'd come down here, I'd buy an ounce for three hundred dollars. I'd go out there and sell it uh, a wholesale at 16. If I broke it down, I'd probably make seven, 8,000. So, you know, man, at the time I did that shooting, I'm like, I think 19, 20 years old, man. I, I got seven, $8,000 in my pocket. I got about 25,000 at home, which is a lot of money for a kid, you know, especially Dang back it. then when my yes. rent was only $450, you know, my, and me and my brother, well, actually my, my rent was $350. Me and my brother lived together in a duplex in Montana. So I had everything that I needed, you know, so it was a and I would think about that all the time, man, how I messed off, you know, my life between behind a motherfucker that was he was living. He didn't even he was he was homeless. And, and regardless of where he was living, regardless, you know, because at the same time, he still was a human being. He still mattered to certain people. And so just to inconvenience my own self. So hell no, it wasn't worth it. You know, hell no, it wasn't worth it, man. Um. You know, it was a uh, because everything that it cost me, I was, you know, it also eventually cost me from being removed from the life of people who was important to me. I removed him from people he was important to. And uh, so, yeah, it definitely uh, it definitely wasn't worth it. Nigga, that's a nice bag. Jesus. Man, hey, listen, I had a spot. And, and, then, and then so many times, too, I, I think about it like, damn, man, you know, because when you're young, you buying cars. I had four, five cars, jewelry. It was a gang of pimps out there. I'm trying to emulate these niggas with, with a, I got a ring on every finger and all that. If I had <laughs> just went out there and hustled hard for about six months, I could be, be you know be retired somewhere with some property. You know, like I said, when you get older, you realize all the shit you didn't yeah. know when you yeah. were young, you know? Yeah. All right. Um, I definitely appreciate your time, your energy, and your wisdom, bro. Uh, if there's anything possible I could ever do for you, man, please just don't hesitate to let me know. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And honestly, I can honestly say, man, this is the best interview that I've had. Just the fun, you know, just the vibe, man. You seem like a cat I could bump into. We could kick it, hang out, laugh, and chill. You know, just yeah, the old was, nigga, know, man. They, man. They talk shit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the type, the type of cat that I'm used to, man. Because, like I say, I grew up just having fun, laughing, you know, just trying to enjoy myself, man. So I definitely appreciated this, uh, this interview. Oh, no doubt, man. Hey, the honor was mine, bro. Like I say, if you need anything, please don't, don't hesitate. And I'm gonna shoot you my number in the inbox. Okay, most definitely, man. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, to all your, his viewers out there, you guys have a good day. And once again, you know, thank you for having me on here, man. If you have not looked at my channel, check it out. It's on YouTube. It's 16DA Life, 16 to Life. I got a lot of great, funny prison stories on there. Um, go to my YouTube playlist and you'll find a lot of my stories organized in categories because keep it 100 most of my good stories are behind me you know what i'm saying i've been doing this for two years and i'm i'm damn near running out of stories you know i don't believe that bro but like y'all already know man it's your talent that gets you on the show but it's your story that makes you stand out and this is absolutely one of the ones that's gonna stand out through, through the end of time man um again appreciate you bro 
Have a good one, man. Um, people out there, man, you already know this is Jobs. It's another episode of Intellects D Petty Radio. And we out. All right. Hey, thank you. No doubt. Peace. All right. Peace.